0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. And let me welcome to the show, he is founder of Mission Fulfilled 2030. What is that about? Oh, we're gonna find out. Let me welcome the one and only Gerald Moore. Welcome to The Karen Hunter Show.
1: Thank you, Dr. Hunter. It's a pleasure to be on the show I'm a fan, especially of the Saturday class. I try and catch the Saturday class all the time. Just signed up for narrative. So I'm ready to go. You guys are enlightening me on so much. I feel so ignorant in regards to my African history. Um, But thank you guys for holding that platform. And you guys hold that down and I'll hold it down intact.
0: Well, we might have to incorporate what we do with what you do. And let me just, I'm not a doctor. I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who put that work in. And uh, maybe one day I'll go back, but I don't know why I'm going to, I would not spend that money. It would have to be uh, somebody who have to pay for it. Cause I'm not spending money to go get somebody else's education. That said, that said, uh, you know, it's important that we have this discourse, right? And to feel ignorant, we all are, you know, and, and this is the, the journey, right? Everybody is ignorant of something and the goal is to fill in the gaps in the areas that you have passion. So your passion is tech. Take us through how you got into this space.
1: Well, today, black male educators make up less than 2% of the high tech and STEM workforce. Black males make up less than 5% of the high tech and STEM workforce. And now I'm a part of that. And how I came up, young black male from the inner city Um, Black boys from the inner city have their first police encounter at 12. I was one of those. Um, I got expelled from school at 14. Black boys are most suspended than any other race of people from schools. I was one of those. Um, At 15, I did the Scared Straight program in Rochester, New York. At 17, I had my first child. I have full custody of my son when he was three months old, a senior in high school. So I hit every major roadblock that they say black boys are going to hit in their adolescence. But yet at 24, I graduated from Norfolk State University with a degree in electronics, engineering, technology. And people ask me, well, how did I do it? Especially since I graduated high school with a 1.69 GPA. Damn. <laughs> and uh, you know, they said, How do I do it? Well, my high school GPA was not indicative of who I was as an individual or my talent in tech. Um, I'll tell you a story, when I was 10 years old, I took the spanking of my life. When I took apart a radio, boom box, my mother brought me, and you don't tear up something, allegedly tear up something, a black woman that spent her hard earned money on. So uh, my mother brought me this radio for my birthday. And when she came in my room, it was taken apart because in my mind, I needed to know how the dial worked on the radio. How did I turn this knob and it changed the station? I needed to know how the heads on the tape deck work and how did this piece of tape let music come out? So I took that radio apart. Now tech was something that was in me. So my mother tore my butt up. So when she came, so the next morning, I'm playing the radio, right? I'm playing the radio, get myself ready for school. And she walks in my room sees the radio all put back together and walks out. So I go out in the hall and my mother is in tears because she finally figured out this was who I was because everything electronic I had, I had to take it apart. I had to see what was in it. And she just thought I was tearing up stuff. But that that tech and that ingenuity was in me to kind of figure out how things work. Now, growing up, I just grew up in a hood where being you just had to be tough you just had to be tough so I kind of played out this role of the tough guy and fought because I had to fight didn't want to fight but fought because I had to fight I was also a good athlete and school just never appealed to me I never had a black male educator until I got to college because I went to an HBCU held to Norfolk State University who had an open enrollment policy at the time and I was able to test into their engineering department So I think, you know, gotta give a shout out to the HBCUs that's giving young brothers an opportunity to be successful. Um, Another thing that happened, when I got expelled from school in the eighth grade and um, I got expelled for fighting at the end of the school year. So the beginning of my freshman year, it just so happened my expulsion meeting was the first meeting of the school year. And the superintendent happened to be in the meeting because it's the first expulsion meeting. So my, me, my mother, superintendent sitting at the table and the administrators from my middle school there going through my rap sheet and the superintendent stops the meeting. And he says, has anybody looked at Mr. Moore's New York state test record? And every, no one said anything. He said, well, we don't kick kids out of school who are testing at 12th year, 10 month and reading math and science coming out of the eighth grade. He's virtually tested out of high school. So he allowed me to go to any school in a city that I wanted to go to. I chose a vocational school, Edison Tech, where I took four years of electronics there. Still, my other grades were terrible, but you know took four years of electronics there. And uh, one day when uh, I had to when I had to do the Scared Straight program, it was done by uh, I had to see I had to go to the therapist, you know let's talk through let's talk through these anger issues Mr. Moore that you have. And the therapist asked me one day, she was like, you seem to be a bright student. Like, why can't you do better in school? I said, no one asked me what I wanted to learn. Had somebody asked me what I wanted to learn, I could have told you. And then we could have we collaborated and I would have done better. But because that didn't happen, I was doing work outside of my own. And it just so happened, by the time I was 15 years old, I was installing elaborate car audio systems for the drug dealers in my neighborhood making money. So, <laughs> so I just, in a, in a roundabout way, you know, that's how I had to go at it. And, uh, you know, having a son as a senior in high school, that kind of gave me more focus. And when I got to Nor- Norfolk State, I had black men that were pouring into me that, you know, allowed me to excel. I never made the honor roll until I got to college. You know
2: Carol, what's crazy oh,
0: Go Go ahead, go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry.
2: You know what was- um, amazing about listening to listening to your story is that I think about how we how we just knee jerk reaction stereotype young black males we do we do the same thing to, to young black girls too. we say that they're fast or that they're this or that they're that. And we put these these tropes and these stereotypes on young black men, and I think sometimes it kills their curiosity. You know, right. if, we don't, if we don't recognize it, like we might look at it and say, oh, they being bad. Well, maybe they just being curious or, you know, or or, or maybe they just want to know how things work. Can you talk a little bit about what you what you feel like maybe the solve for that is, is that, you know, that we where we don't always say, well, he can't pay attention in class. Maybe we're just not teaching him anything that he's interested in. Right. What's the solve for that and how we treat young young black men in particular in their adolescence and in their youth.
1: Well, I think my organization is is resolution for that, Mission Fulfilled 2030. And what we do is we create programs for black boys who may not ever have black men in their lives to kind of help them explore that where we representation matters, right? We know that representation matters. Well, if black men make up less than 2% of the public school workforce, they're not represented there. So where you and I, can go up to some young brothers in school that's acting up and kind of stand next to them and they get right. Well, you know, the predominantly white women in in their classrooms can't do that. They can't relate to that, right? And even, you know, having black women in the classrooms, black boys are still gonna goof off a little bit. And just that representation of black men in their lives actually makes a huge difference. Like I was able, <laughs> so much. My, my mother is the oldest of nine, and my mother had six brothers. My father's in the middle of 12, and my father has seven brothers. Unfortunately, 100% of my mother's brothers and my father's brothers at some point struggled with drug and alcohol addiction. Now, my father, I call my father beautifully flawed. Mm. Now, this, he was probably. You know, he was a working alcoholic and later in his life dabbled in a little drugs, but he was brilliant, never finished school, but was well-educated, grew up in Georgia, was able to come to New York where he met my mother and he was able to get a trade. My father's parents died when he was 12. So he pretty much raised himself and always taught me to kind of have this ingenuity and toughness. And had this do as I say, not as I do type of thing that I went for, which is actually a flawed logic because most young boys want to kind of be like their father. But what I realized coming up is that even in the flaws of all my uncles and my father, I was able to make it through and realize that, you know, what Black boys need whether they're flawed or not, they need men in their lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether they're flawed or not, you have to have black men around and in their lives. And I think that a lot of times what's happening in our black families is black men just get thrown away. And I think that's where the systems come in. And then when we look at tech, that's where the systems come in because there's, there's no black men and what happens. And I was, I was a culprit to this. When black men become successful, what do we do? we go move to a better community and a lot of us disappear. But what I realized is once I became successful, I got to go back and give back. I got to be a face in these neighborhoods that I came up in. I got to be a face in, and show the black boys that, hey, I grew up just like you. One of my best friends growing up was a drug dealer. He's now in jail. But you know, I grew up just like y'all, you have choices. There are other ways out. And what we're looking at now in the tech space like we have this young tech entrepreneurs program. And when a young man is hungry in the city and you're telling him his only way out is through education and you catch him at 12 and he's like, well, you telling me in 10 more years I can get paid? You know, that kind of, that logic is kind of flawed in his mind because he's hungry now, right? He's hungry now, no telling what his mother is going through, no telling what his father is going through. All we know is that he goes home, he may not eat like I'm in the DC metro area. They keep DC schools open because a lot of kids don't have food at home. So when you have that kid, how do you engage them? Well, in our Young Tech Entrepreneurs program, we like, yo, we, we, we teaching you tech to earn now. So what we do is we use, um, we use open source tools. We use a tool like Canva, help, them, help mm. them create a logo. Then we take a tool like T-chip and help them to put it out in the marketplace and if you ask most young kids, what do they wanna to do today? They'll say, i want I- to be a social media influencer. And we'll say, well, that's not a job. Well, it actually is a job because kids are making millions of dollars doing it. So why not help them do it in a more business way and start their own tech company? So we call it our Damon John model, put a logo on a shirt, put it on T-chip, no cost, teach them how to market it on social media the right way, have a global landscape. You actually have your own tech company and then we become their first customer. And what goes on in the mind when a kid sees that first $25 drop into his account, there's a mindset, there's a mindset shift there. So he, you mean to tell me if I keep doing this on a consistent basis that I can earn a living? Yeah, and you have your own tech company. But what comes from that, it also gets competitive. Black boys are competitive. I want my site to be better than his. I want my company to be better than his. So then what do they come back to me? Coach Moore, well, I need to move this on my website. I need to move this on my app. Well, you need to learn how to code some CSS, maybe some PHP or maybe some Python. So now I'm shifting me forcing education on them in tech to them wanting the education in tech, which bridges the gap in our communication, which is, which is gonna help a lot of young brothers in the future through our program.
0: Mission Fulfilled, Mission fulfilled 2030org That shirt you're wearing, Gerald Moore. Gerald Morris here, by the way. Is that one of the kids? Did one of the kids do that shirt? Is that a nah, logo? No, this is our this corporate you? logo. Okay. All right. Just checking. Just check it.
1: This is our corporate logo. But uh, we got some we got some very talented kids we're going to start showcasing. We got a ton of programs and kids are doing awesome stuff in our program. And what's awesome about our program is all our programs are led by Black men. We got Black men teaching Black boys.
0: I uh, I have... um. You know, we started Tech Tuesday, which today is uh, because of an interview I did with Van Jones five, six years ago uh, when Prince was still alive. And he was talking about he and Prince collaborating to get, I think it was a million black boys to learn how to code. And I thought that, that was such an important, valuable uh, skill that these kids needed to learn. These young people needed to learn because there was a, a, at that time, a million jobs unmanned in tech. Right. So they were going to fill that million jobs unmanned in America. That's now four million, four million unmanned. And with this pandemic and the previous president, we're not importing as many tech people. We need homegrown tech people. And if there is this lack of diversity, which you just mentioned, 2%, 2%, there's a lot of landscape there to fill in. We need a lot of our young people. but just telling them they need to code is not enough. Showing them how, what you're doing. Gerald Bohr is the answer. And I just Absolutely. want to applaud you for that because it, it is somebody said to me, because yesterday we did a story about uh, this new league for high school kids playing basketball and they're going to pay them hundred thousand dollars a year. And I'm here for it. I'm here for a high school kid making hundred thousand dollars a year. And they were like, right. well, you're, you're telling them not to get an education. I'm like, what are they learning? They don't, right. they're not, they're not figuring out how to engage with our children because they don't see our children. They see them as numbers and and as stats, but they don't see them because our kids may learn differently. Some are auditory, some are visual, but you got to connect with them at their soul to allow them to be able to see. They're brilliant, but if you don't know how to extract that brilliance, you just put them in the corner somewhere, stick them on some drugs, some Ritalin or whatever, and classify them but if people don't
2: see that brilliance it's not on the kid too like it's on the teacher like if your job is to tap into that brilliance and you don't and you fail that ain't on the kid that's on you you a white teacher
1: you know what i'm saying
2: i that's that's the part i think that's the disconnect
1: but a huge a huge part of it when you say that is culturally relevance right like i'm from the street where I grew up, you had four ways out. You had the NBA, you had the NFL, you had hip hop and you had drugs. I was good at all of them besides the drugs. Cause my boys did that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I believe I heard Karen say this on one of her shows that why can't you maximize all aspects of you? Why can't you be good at football, basketball? Like I used to DJ for this rap group. And I thought that was my way out. Like we was dope, me and my boy, we was touring. When I was a freshman in college, I was touring. My claim to fame is we opened the show for the Fugees, right? But still, you know, I was embracing where I was from and I was allowed to do that to fully explore who I was. Now, what education is today is not culturally relevant. And the analogy I'll use for that is our Generation Z kids have grown up with the internet. They've grown up with Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and all of these things, right? But those are not leveraged in the classroom. So they're not helping to make the classroom culturally relevant. So our Gen Z kids are like MacBooks, right? And our teachers are trying to install PC software on floppy disk. It don't work. It's not going to work. You have education has to be culturally relevant. Like the analogies that I use while teaching tech, most teachers can't use because they they're not from the background that I'm from. They can't leverage sports analogies and hip hop analogies that go along with the technology that I'm teaching, which makes it relevant for the kids.
2: Culture in the classroom is one of the things I think is totally missing, man. Like how how do how do you define and kind of make sure that the people that you have um, who are sort of feeding into these young men and these guys how do you find the right people to do that
1: well i think the bureaucracy of the school system you're not going to find that within the schools right, right? so thus i'm i'm actually pitching the schools all day that you have to have after school programs or inclusionary programs like mine where at least i'm connected with black men all over the country that are in tech right that are that are willing to leverage themselves and give back the yes. school districts make it so difficult to get programs in that it's, it's, it's just really hard. They, they're not going to be able to, you know, increase their programming. And think about this, right? 95% of our schools, if tech is the future, 95% of our schools don't have any computer scientists, engineers, or developers in their buildings. Yes. So how are we developing the kids of the future? Well, we don't have the futurists who can teach that stuff in the schools. You can't send a teacher to a code.org seminar and then expect her to come back and teach it to the students and have any type of passion for it when they're still trying to learn it.
2: Yeah, it's crazy, man. Because um, there's a school in Brooklyn called uh, Pathways to Technology and Higher um, in in education. It's a high school that has been adopted by a, a couple of tech companies, and it's the only time. And I go into I've been in high schools all over Metro New York for the last five years talking about talking about STEM and tech, and that you can have a job in STEM and not be and not be a a, a, a tech guy, which I've been working in tech and not. I I work in comms in tech and marketing in tech. And that was the first time where students actually had the equipment that they w- right. that, that they actually needed to be right. to be engaged. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I go back to this like oftentimes if there are two or three black men in those public schools, those two or three black men end up being the police. They, they end up being the cop, right? right. They, they, be, they end up being the disciplinarian because though those other folks don't know what to do with our kids or how to talk to them or how to get them to, you know, to, um, you know, to be respectful in class and all that kind of stuff. So even when there are Black men in those, in those environments, it still feels like they're not enough for us to be able to, to, to bring that cultural competency in to where we can embrace the kids as opposed to always policing them.
0: Let me tell you, Gerald Moore is in the building. Gerald Moore is here. He is back. He is wonderful. And I'm excited because everything he's saying is just a fulfillment of a dream. It's a fulfillment of a dream. We've been th- sitting here, uh, and I'm going be honest, six years looking for folk who can make that connection. We've been talking to folks homeschooling. And I got so frustrated, we started doing these Saturday classes because uh, education, our education system is, to me, um, not just not culturally relevant, but they have. I don't think we've ever been considered. To be honest with you, I mean, if you think about our our origin story, you know, not just brought here in the holds of ships, but it was illegal for Black people to know how to read because they knew they knew once we figured out this language and could read and write, there was going to be a problem. Frederick Douglass talked about that. Putting the words together changed his whole trajectory let him know that he was supposed to be free. And so if that's the genesis of our education system, not necessarily to really educate us, but to keep us just ignorant enough to do the bidding of the system, we got to break this thing wide open. So Gerald Moore, what you're doing is amazing. Tell us how we can connect with you, help you do more of what you're doing, get more young boys in particular in your program.
1: Absolutely. If you go to our website, missionfulfilled2030.org, missionfulfilled2030.org. Hit that donate button, um, join on our email list, register your boys. We got, a, we got a new initiative that we're getting ready to drop in April, it's called the 10,000 Black Boys Movement, 10,000 Black Boys Movement. By the end of the year, we wanna have 10,000 Black boys in our programs. And we have an online learning system. We partner with the Tech School for Black Boys so in that online learning system, we want to have black boys have access to tech programming. If you guys are familiar with the, um, what's the online tutoring site? Online uh, Khan, tutoring Academy? site. Khan, Khan Academy, Academy.
0: Yeah, there's Khan Academy.
1: We are building Khan Academy
0: for black boys taught by black men. All right, so what? What? where do you find your teachers? If there's somebody listening right now, can they apply to become a yes. teacher?
1: So if you go to the website and you can volunteer, and what has been very successful for us, I'm a part of a group called Black Men in STEM on Clubhouse. Black Men in STEM on Clubhouse, and we have Saturday meetings at 12, and I've pretty much got about 200 brothers that want to give back from that site, and I have them in the email list, and we're getting ready to launch the Technology to Manhood Lecture Series which is a showcase of Black men in tech to Black boys, and that's gonna happen on our website and YouTube
0: channel. I love it. Uh, okay, oh, so, so um, I know Drew was like, "I want to volunteer." Uh, what if you're not in tech? How do you can you participate in helping absolutely. you? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. If you if you if you're a Black man or Black women, like we we still Black women are still the most educated in this country and have a lot to offer. So black men, black women, if you wanna volunteer, just go to our website, um, hit the contact button. There's a lot of uh, ways you can volunteer and we're trying to spread this across the country. I'm in the DC Metro area and because we have our online learning management system, we can impact boys throughout the world actually. And um, But we definitely wanna set up live. Uh, the pandemic has allowed us to really grow really grow on our digital platforms but we definitely want to be able to have live in-person programs in in every state so our goal is to be a national organization in the next two years so definitely we need everybody's participation it's going to take everyone to change the narrative for young black males and i have three daughters karen like somebody asked me all the time well why why not black girls and i said i have three daughters and it's about a 2% chance that my daughters will have the opportunity to marry a man in the mold of their father and that keeps me up at night so mm-hmm. that's why it behooves me to build up young black boys because i have daughters who one day i want them to be with a man like their father who's going to take care of them is futuristic is going to give back and right now we don't we don't see that so you know it behooves me to work with that and Black women are holding it down and have been holding it down in this country. They're the most educated in this country, have the most advanced PhDs in this country, have the most advanced degrees in this country, and are the most uh, have the most entrepreneurs in this country. So, you know, for Black boys and Black men, we got to hold it down and, and, and do our part. So that's where Mission Fulfilled comes in. And our vision is to impo- ins- inspire, educate, and activate 100,000 in the next 10 years. And if we can do that, and have 100,000 black boys earning a six figure salaries five years after they, they either complete college or get into the workforce, that's a $10 billion impact to black communities. And we have to look at it as such And in and, and the black men that we're building. Like mm. I, I, I see a future where we have enough talent and we have enough black men in one place that are willing to do the work where we're building Microsoft, we're building Apple, and we're building these futuristic companies and leveraging our own capital. I think that's a huge, a huge thing that we're not leveraging our own capital. I was actually a finalist for this uh, grant from the Gula Foundation. And uh, two Caucasians, uh, Cindy and Ron Gula, I appreciate them. They just put out a million dollar grant to support African-Americans in cybersecurity. I was a finalist. They had 100 100 people apply. Um, They had 11 finalists. And the Black Cybersecurity Association, who I'm a member of, they actually won the $500,000 grant to advance African-Americans in cybersecurity. But why aren't we doing that, right? Like, why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we we putting forth a million dollars?
0: The question's the, the the question's great, but disproportionately, uh, the system has not even our banking, you know, has not set us up to do that. We we all have a billionaire here or there and a bunch of millionaires, but systemically we don't have the foundations. And this is the beginning of that. So hopefully at the end of this ten years you, you're gonna have that. We gotta you know how to look at that. Go ahead I'm, tell I'm me.
1: Gonna, so so if ten thousand people made a $25 recurring donation, I would have a million dollar organization. 10,000 people, $25 monthly donation, we have a multi-million dollar organization supporting black boys, right? We can get 10,000 people and even 10,000 people at $10 a month still makes us a multi-million dollar organization. It's group economics.
0: I'm not going to argue with you. I, I've had the same. <laughs> I've no, I've had the same discussion no, but over and over again. But I feel like, you know, we also put on due pressure. And I'm going to ask the ladies to to stand down on this. We got Black Girls Code and there are a dozen organizations devoted to black girls. You know, we have buy from a black woman on the show every month, you know, and, and where's a buy from a black man? OK, she she went out. and the, There's some brothers doing that. But this is that time, you know, yeah. where yeah. we could stop bitching and complaining about why this isn't here. You're right. And step up. But at the same time, if Mackenzie Scott is throwing out money, which she is, take the check, take the check, get
1: it. We got to go get it. And I'm not against it. I'm not against it. But it's how we leverage it. Right. It's how we leverage it. Once we do it's how we leverage it. We definitely have to make sure we leverage it and then multiply it. Right. We have to multiply it once we have those opportunities. And I think there's definitely. People out there and institutions out there that are trying to level the playing field, but when we have those opportunities, we have to leverage it and multiply it.
2: What's the what's the 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 household or the family intersection? How do you get um, families to understand the importance of this? Because you can't just go and grab boys off the street and bring them in to, into this into this goodness and into this sort of community. What does it take for, uh, for you to get the community to engage and say, this is something that I need to that I need to make sure that my child has access to, or that this may change my son's life or maybe I shouldn't give up on how I think about what my son's capacity is. Or maybe I shouldn't listen to the people at the school that say, this is what my son's capacity is. How do we get this into the ear of the person who's going to have to drop him off or or sign his consent form to let him come and be a part of this community?
1: We have to be in the communities. We have to have brothers in the communities doing the work. Like I go in the communities. Like last summer, last summer, when the um, pandemic you know pandemic broke out, got right. I, I was on the streets still. I was on the streets putting out flyers, giving away my book. I wrote a book Motivate Black Boys. I go to the hood and give it away. Give it to mothers everywhere I go.
0: Let's let's uh, stay connected. Uh, obviously, we, we are going to keep talking to you, Gerald Moore. I appreciate you being here today. This is just the beginning. Drew, let me say thank you to you as well. Um, Drew McCaskill, follow him at Drew McCaskill. Follow Mr. Moore at Gerald Moore 360.